If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself. But even better, they've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information, all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Saturday, January 14th. And for many of you, you will be enjoying a three-day weekend. And to celebrate the three-day weekend and the fact that we are just 10 days away from the publishing of my brand new book, The Great Money Reset, for the next three days, you get a little of kind of book reading Jill. So just to put a little frame on this, when you do the audio recording for your own book, it's like your personality is not actually coming through in the same way. They make you sit still and you have a director who's like, no, do it again. No, do it again. No, I heard your paper shuffle. No, I heard you move. I heard you breathe. So when you hear this, the sound quality is amazing, but more importantly, it's not the same free flowing Jill. I actually have to read what is written and uh, what is written is what I wrote my book. So this is uh, from the beginning of the book of the Great Money Reset. Here we go. Chapter one is a really fun one. It's where we start every conversation with you guys, and we're going to chop up the first chapter in the next three podcasts. So I hope you enjoy it. Here is the beginning of the Great Money Reset. Take a good, hard look. If you're contemplating a big change, Don't just jump into it. Stop and map out the money ramifications. This chapter shows you how to take stock of your present finances and your future needs so that you can anticipate gaps and figure out how to fill them. In my informal discussions with listeners who either contemplated or executed a great money reset, I found that the decision to shake up their lives didn't come as a sudden seismic shift. 
Rather, as we saw with Melissa, most of my listeners had been moving in that direction for some time, only to find that the pandemic or some other major life event dramatically accelerated their movement and heightened their sense of urgency. Take Ross, a caller in his mid-50s from Texas. Ross had built a long career in corporate America, but the last couple of years at his company had left him burnt out. It's funny how three reorgs and numerous downsizing announcements will do that to a person. Ross yearned to say sayonara to the corporate world and try something completely different. His idea wasn't to quit, but rather to collect his nice end-of-year bonus once more and then retire from the company. Afterward, he'd figure out his next move. As Ross told me, he didn't harbor much ambivalence about shaking up his life. He couldn't wait to escape what he regarded as the corporate prison. But before he blew up the status quo, he did want to take a careful look at his finances. Ross had a little less than a decade to go before his planned retirement at age 65. With his wife working part-time, he was his family's primary source of income. He and his wife had three children. The older two were grown and financially independent, but their youngest was still in college and would require support for another few years. Although Ross anticipated that he would continue to work in some capacity, he likely wouldn't command the same salary he had received at his big company. Would he later come to regret his move away from corporate America, or was he secure enough money-wise to take his career in a different direction? What could he do to limit the negative financial consequences of his decision? If you're envisioning a great money reset, take a good, hard look at your finances before you leap. Most people know to do this, but their analysis often isn't rigorous or comprehensive enough. They also make the mistake of thinking they face an either-or situation. Either they make a change or they stay put. In reality, we can often make less dramatic but still satisfying moves if our finances render a wholesale change overly risky or if the changes required to make possible our next endeavor just seem too big. When I transitioned from working as a financial planner in quirky little Providence to an on-air financial expert in the Big Apple, my dear friend Maureen, who makes me look like a slacker when it comes to career, financial, and life planning, urged me to get a pink notebook. This was a special journal that I would use to capture my thinking and planning about my future. I would lay out my various career or life options, record any insights I gleaned while researching them, take copious notes during the many consultations I'd have with people throughout the process, and of course, work out all of my financial plans. As I discovered, Having a pink notebook was a game changer because it kept me organized, focused, and motivated as I went through the unpredictable twists and turns of figuring out my next move. Call to action. Get yourself a pink notebook. And no, it doesn't have to be pink. Once you have a notebook in your chosen color at hand, the question becomes how precisely to fill it. I won't go into all the research and exploration you might want to do if you don't quite know your future path yet and need to figure it out. But I do, of course, have a thing or two to say about the money calculations and the scenario planning that belong in any pink notebook worthy of the name. Run through the fabulous five. 
A proper analysis of your current financial position isn't terribly complicated. It unfolds along the lines of the financial planning process generally. I like to think about it in terms of a series of steps that I call the Fabulous Five. Step number one, calculate the resources at your disposal, your current income and assets. How much do you have coming in right now? If you're employed, include not just your salary, but also your annual bonus and any commissions you might earn. How much savings do you currently have? Consider the full range of assets, including retirement and non-retirement accounts, your primary residence if you own one, any investment properties you own, your emergency fund, and so on. Don't forget about the value of tax-preferenced, flexible spending and dependent care accounts. Once you've tallied all of your assets, ask yourself which of them are liquid, which means you can convert them easily to cash without any lag time or without creating a major tax burden. When you're going through a transition, much will be unknown, and you might need more cash than you think to cover expenses you never could have predicted, to maintain a lifestyle to which you've become accustomed, or simply to provide yourself with the peace of mind that only an ample safety net can provide. You might also need cash to cover expenses that many people neglect to consider. If you're leaving a stable, well-paying job for one that is more precarious, you might need to cover the costs of your own health care, life insurance, long-term disability insurance, and other benefits that your employer once subsidized. I don't think most people realize just how much health insurance costs. A healthy couple with no kids might easily spend twelve to 15000 or more a year on a decent plan. If you have dependent children, that number could be even greater. People working in the public sector often have unusually generous benefits packages that they'll miss if they leave their jobs. On this basis alone, you might need more cash than you think to make a successful transition. On the other hand, if you're in the private sector and thinking about taking a pay cut to work in a lower-stress public sector job, you might be in for a pleasant surprise. Although the pay might be lower, the value of the benefits you'll receive might make up for it. If you're nearing retirement, more cash on hand will allow you to avoid tapping into retirement funds. In some situations, of course, you might well want to tap those precious funds. For example, if you plan to leave a job and greatly reduce your income and you aren't yet ready to claim Social Security retirement benefits, it might be the ideal time to withdraw pre-tax retirement funds since you'd likely be taxed at a lower bracket than you currently are now or will be in the future. More on this in Chapter 5. During times of transition, having more cash helps us fight mounting anxiety better than a therapist, a drink, or a clonopin ever could. Cash is the salve to the dreaded what-ifs. What if your health worsens five or ten years from now and you suddenly must shoulder greater health care costs or can't bring in as much income as you'd presumed? What if your new business fails? What if it takes longer than you expect to figure out your next endeavor? Stuff happens and you want to plan for it. With cash on hand, you can worry less because you have resources at your disposal if you need them. Less worry is a good thing, right? 
If many of your assets aren't liquid and you think you could use an additional cash buffer, ask yourself whether you might be able to liquidate some of those assets, say by selling a second home you don't use very much. But be sure to consider the tax liabilities you might face, such as capital gains, when making such decisions. Step number two, calculate your debt and other liabilities. How much do you currently owe? Consider the full range of debt, including mortgages, lines of credit that you have established or drawn down, credit cards, car loans, educational loans for your kids you might be paying off. Didn't I tell you not to take on these loans in my previous book? Tax liabilities, and so on. If you do have significant mortgage debt remaining, you might not want to pay that off before making a change, as you'll lose some of your precious liquidity, and in particular, money that has already been taxed. If you're in your mid-50s, you might think that because you have $2 million in your 401k and a house worth a million dollars with a paid-off mortgage, you're in an excellent position to retire early. Not so fast. Yes, you might not be saddled with mountains of debt, but if you don't have a strong cash reserve to draw on, you might later find yourself in a precarious position. Consider, too, that your retirement savings, once you draw on them, might not go as far as you think. If you've held these savings in traditional accounts, they haven't yet been taxed, and rest assured, they will be. I often advise people who have even an inkling that they want to retire early or leave a well-paying job that they should start socking away non-retirement savings to the extent they can, even if it means not paying down outstanding debt as quickly. Step number three, consider your housing situation. You've already calculated the value of your home on today's market. Think, too, about the cost of maintaining that home. In making a big change to your career, would you also want to consider downsizing your house or renting instead of owning to reduce your expenses and free up more cash? As of this writing, the real estate market is hot. If that's the case in your area, would you be missing an opportunity by not selling? Some people, I find, become overly attached to their homes. They talk about owning a forever home and feel reluctant to sell it, even if doing so might make sense given their changing circumstances. Listen, nothing is forever, okay? Certainly a home isn't. Spending money now to fund that forever home, including real estate taxes, maintenance, usually about 1% to 3% of the value of the home annually, depending on its age and condition, utility bills, and so on, essentially means borrowing money or drawing on funds you might otherwise have saved. Month by month, you're converting liquid assets into an illiquid one. If you're someone whose life is in flux, whether because of COVID, a divorce, the death of a spouse, or some other big life change, I don't love that choice. If you do want to stay put, check out your mortgage. If your rate is higher than prevailing rates or you have a variable, adjustable rate, or interest-only loan, you may want to refinance it before you make big changes. Remember, you might not be able to qualify once your income is reduced. You also may want to establish, but not draw down, a home equity line of credit 
while you still look like a good bet to the bank. Step number four, consider your spending habits. I'll have more to say about this in a later chapter, but for now, jot down your monthly expenses. How much do you currently spend on food, entertainment, transportation, clothing, and so on? Do you really need all that stuff? Do you expect your monthly expenses to decrease after you make a big change in your life, perhaps because you've moved to a city with a lower cost of living? If you're quitting your job or changing careers and expect a cut in income, are you willing to make changes to your spending habits to make your finances work? One of the biggest mistakes people make when taking stock of their finances in preparation for a big change is to underestimate their future spending needs. It's easy to think that you could live on less than you currently do, but could you really? Will you be happy? It's best to err on the side of caution and peg your estimates closely to what you're currently spending. Relatedly, many people nearing retirement age underestimate how long they're likely to live past retirement and thus how much money they'll need. As a 55-year-old, you might focus on the fact that you've already worked for 30-plus years. As your trusty Aunt Jill, I'm focused on the fact that you still could live for 40 more years. If you plan to retire early or downshift your career, you had better make sure that your retirement savings and all other sources of income will last that long. A retirement plan that relies on your early death might work in terms of dollars and cents, but it's hardly appealing. Step number five, consider obligations you might have to others. Are you responsible for your kids' college expenses? What about your aging parents' nursing home expenses? Is your spouse ailing and in need of ongoing care? Is a sibling of yours perennially in financial trouble? Let's jot those down in your handy pink notebook. Consider, too, whether these expenses will likely remain stable or increase. Be conservative in your estimates. Your aging parents might be a bit more fragile physically than you think, especially in an age of COVID. With more kids in their 20s or 30s moving back home, you might have unexpected costs cropping up there as well. Consider, too, that your priorities might be changing. Perhaps you won't want to live as far from your parents, your siblings, or your children as you once did. Perhaps you'll want to help your kids out and assume more responsibility for raising your grandchildren or funding their care. Will your kids ask you to chip in for your grandchildren's daycare or private school to make their lives easier? And if they ask, will you feel tempted to say yes? Factor all of this into your calculations. Okay, that was the first part of our three-part teaser of The Great Money Reset. If you want to pre-order the book, you can do so at the website, jillonmoney.com. While you're there, if you've got a financial question, we'd love to hear from you. Just remember, click the Contact Us button, write us what's going on. And if you want to come on the air, click the little box that says you'd be willing to do so, and Mark will do the rest. Okay, lift someone up today. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.